Terms are changing every year. Pricing is certainly changing every year. Um, so I think it's more important than ever to understand exactly, well, not not exactly, to have a basic understanding of what you're buying and, and really trust your partner who you're working with. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Drew McConaughey, and today we're talking about insurance for real estate investors. And we talk about a few important things here, factors that determine the premiums in your insurance. And we talk about a few of the the higher level ones to be aware of, and then we get into some of the details. We also talk about factors that can influence your premiums by up to 50%. Either way, we get into that. Then we also get into insurance knowledge for passive syndication investors. When you're passively investing in a syndication, you're putting a lot of faith and confidence in the sponsor and that they've done their due diligence. And one of the areas that has been highly volatile over the last couple of years, as far as costs for investors go, is insurance. It's insurance and taxes are really the two big ones that have been uh, highly variable and, and caught a lot of investors by surprise. And if you're investing in this indication in particular, you want to know, you want to be confident, right? You want to know that the sponsor has done their due diligence in every way, right? And in this case, we're talking about insurance. So we talk about a way to make sure that the sponsor has done their due diligence when it comes to insurance and so much more. It's a great conversation with Drew. You're going to learn a lot. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment buildings and self-storage. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and connect with me about potentially investing in a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Once again, investwithtaylor.com. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so much. And I really, really mean that. I really do appreciate it because that helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. I read your reviews. I see them. And that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. I really do see them. I really do read your reviews and I appreciate it so much. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, do look us up, the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please do share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Once again, our guest today is Drew McConaughey. Today, we're talking about insurance knowledge for real estate investors. And we dig a little bit into the weeds, but I... He, he presents the information in a way that's very accessible and, and he teaches us as an asset to our business, which I certainly appreciate, especially as someone, you know, I, 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 I want to know as much as I need to know about this stuff, but I'm not looking to become uh, an insurance agent or something like that, right? We need to leverage the ex- expertise of experts in these areas, right? And, and Drew is one of those folks and he delivers that information in a, in a very helpful and accessible way today. So without any further ado, here we go. Drew, thank you for joining us today. Taylor, thanks for having me. Been a great conversation so far. Today, we're going to dive into insurance for real estate investors. 
For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your business, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? So, yeah, I am a commercial insurance consultant. So a lot of us call ourselves agents, but I don't think that's probably a very fair term. We we consider ourselves an extension of our customers' businesses. I help you kind of backstop your growth. If you ever have an issue within your business, my job is to make sure that, you know, if you've gotten your business to be a $10 million business, my job is to make sure that you don't go below a $10 million business. You worry about the growth. Uh, I keep you from going backwards. And we w- we were founded in 1995. I became uh, a partner in 2016. And my main niche is helping real estate investors. So uh, that, you know, that's what, what I think uh, led us together here, Taylor. So uh, yeah, happy to help anybody. Uh, and I love educating my customers. That's, that's probably my favorite part of the business is, um, you know, giving people the basic understanding of insurance, why it's important, where you can skimp and where you can't skimp um, so that you can target the right areas to try and cut some fat. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate uh, that you're you know, providing that edu- education uh, for us today and our listeners out there. There are you, know, you point out that there are a lot of like misconceptions that people have about insurance for real estate investment, and and I think that's true. You know, I've seen that up and down, and I certainly had some, and undoubtedly still have some. So let's you know break into it, get into that insurance one hundred and one for uh, real estate investors, and you know understand how to yeah, get started. So- yeah, that, that that's that's great. That's a great place to start. So, um, you know, I think the biggest misconception is that all insurance is created equal. If I buy a policy from State Farm, or if I buy a policy from Drew, or if I buy a policy from John Doe, it's the same policy. All I need to worry about, all, the only thing I need to compare when I'm seeing three different policies is the premium. Whatever the cheapest premium is the right deal for me because, you know, I can, uh, as I'm saving money and as I'm refining, I can get a multiple on the amount of money that I'm saving. So, boom, let's go with the cheapest deal. Uh, I can go, I could sit here and fill your whole time together with uh, case studies and customers of mine that I have picked up after they had used that mentality and gotten burned by it. Uh, one quickly comes to mind. I have, a, I have a very good friend of mine who let me quote, and I was $1,300 more expensive. And he's like, Drew, it, times are tight. I'm just getting into the business. I, can't, I, I just, I got to go with the cheaper quote. So uh, it, it they had a, a claim and one of the basic, you know, foundations of any property insurance policy is ordinance and law coverage, which means if your building's out of code, um, our, a policy would pay to bring your building back up to code because the, the issue is if you have a like a fire in a third of your building and you have to, uh, the, the county, the state is going to come and make sure your building's up to code as you're in there in the walls, opening it up. And you would have to come out of pocket to pay the cost to bring your building up to code on a partial loss like that. That's exactly what happened to this guy. Um, and it was a $700,000 uncovered claim, uh, that would have been covered under my policy to the $700,000. And it was a $1,300 savings. So, uh, I, my big takeaway from that is don't, don't think that all policies are made even if you want to have a couple agents work on it. You know, I could argue that that's a bad idea too, but if you're going to do that, Make sure that you're that each of them is comparing the quotes for you so that you can know what you're buying. 
And if one of them doesn't want to compare their quote to somebody else, then it's, it's a really good indicator right there that it's probably not the right home for you. So uh, while I would argue that price is super important, um, I, I would argue price is most important, right? I, I get that, but you have to make sure that you understand what you're buying. I'm not going to tell you what to buy. I'm going to tell you what there is in there to buy and then educate you enough to let you as an investor make a decision. Well, you know, I certainly appreciate that. I think we need to always, as business owners and investors, always focus on value rather than price and, and understand the value that we get for our money. And sometimes the price is too high, you know, whatever. But but the value is pretty much always more important than the price alone. But yep. I think that brings up an important point about, in my mind, what is a reasonable expectation for an investor to have of their insurance agent or their, their consultant as a term you like to use of, Hey, your, your price is uh, in this case, you know, $1,300 higher. Can you, you know, reasonably line out for me what the differences are so that I can make a, a you know, an, an informed decision about it, you know? Yeah. So what, what we do, that's a good question. What we do is we have a sheet, right? I'll, I'll you can't see me because it's a podcast, but <laughs> we have a sheet where it is uh, one column is here's your quote. Here's your expiring policy. Here's a quote that you have from somebody else that you've shared with me. In my column, I'll say, here is my quote. And I go through and I actually color code it, right? To make it real nice and easy to see. Here is where if it's if there's no color, the coverage is the same. If uh, where it's green on one side, that coverage is better. Where it's red on the other side, that coverage is worse, right? So I just go through, so you could actually really quickly look at it and see how much green and red there is and get a basic idea of um, this policy's uh, garbage versus the policy that I have, or Drew's quoting me a garbage policy versus the versus the policy that I have. So, uh, and maybe I listen, right? My, my job is to listen to you. You tell me how good of a policy you want. If you want a Pinto, uh, that's fine. I'll quote you a Pinto, but <laughs> I want you to understand what a Pinto covers, right? If you want to escalate, I'll quote you the Escalade. Um, but you have to understand that my Escalade is going to be more expensive than your Pinto. So um, I think it's a very reasonable expectation of your agent, your consultant, your broker, whatever they want to call themselves, uh, to spreadsheet out what you have. I, I, you mu- I, in my opinion, you have to demand that. Here's what I have. Here's what I'm being offered. Show me the differences. Uh, and if if they don't want to do that, that man, what a good indicator that that's not the right partner for you, uh, <laughs> because they probably think it's a they probably think it's a commodity. And especially in this real estate business right now, the policies are changing every year. The terms are changing every year. Pricing is certainly changing every year. Um, so I think it's more important than ever to understand exactly, well, not, not exactly, to have a basic understanding of what you're buying and, and really trust your partner who you're working with. Well, you know, you mentioned the changes in insurance uh, pricing and costs. And this is one of the things that, you know, we both see and hear in the space is you know, that the pricing has changed. And, and to my understanding, it's because a lot of the, the the insurance companies are starting to figure out basically climate risk and put that you know across their policies. But there may be other factors in there. I, I don't know. I'm not a you know an insurance guy. I just you know buy insurance and try to understand it. But is that your impression from the inside? Are there other factors? I mean, inflation's out there. 
Uh, you know, what else, what else is go. going on? Yeah. <laughs> so that's actually the big one this year, Taylor, is inflation, right? Mm-hmm. So can, can, what does an insurance policy promise to do? Your building burns down. I'm going to come rebuild your building. Now, over the last 18 months, uh, how, how have those construction costs gone, right? They've gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't find labor. You can't find materials. So uh, everything is more expensive than it was a year before, which actually is a really important point that, that we're hammering home with our customers is you need to make sure that, that your policy limits are ample today because if they're the same policy limits that you had 18 months ago and you think that you think your policy is going to rebuild your building, uh, you're wrong, right? It's it's very simple, uh, and I think that that what people are seeing as cost increases in insurance right now, a big component of that is the insurance companies are being proactive and and helping their customers understand that uh, their replacement cost, right? The big number that's on the deck page, the replacement cost of your building is going up. So. Um, you know, the same rate times a higher replacement cost equals a higher premium. So a piece of higher costs is that. Um, now, to your point, the other the other piece of the pie is terrible, terrible claims experience in the industry. Now, that's a couple of things, right? There's been a ton of large fires or medium-sized fires, right? If you get a fire in a multifamily building, it's really hard to make that claim be under 100 grand. Um, so, you know, if you have a a 20 unit building that you're paying 1500 bucks for, and, and there's a hundred thousand dollar loss, think about how many of those, think about how many clean other comparable buildings to yours there have to be just to, just for the insurance company to break even. And they want to operate at a 50% loss ratio. So then you need to double that number to get it to be profitable for them. So, um, and then let alone these catastrophic claims where a, a hurricane comes through and you've got a, a 500 unit building with 80, 80 million bucks of coverage on it. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's a 80% loss on the building, right? It's, it is uh, the fractional amount that you're paying in premium based upon the claims potential. Uh, the insurance companies are getting, just getting clobbered on it. So that's, that's a major increase, a major reason for the premium increases as well. Well, it's all about, uh, they're all about spreading out that risk across you know, their, their entire portfolio. So when disasters like that happen, we're all going to bear at least some of the burden on that. And that topic of replacement cost, I think is there, there are really, I think, two angles to that because of, from an insurance standpoint, it does make your insurance more expensive. From an investor and and value focused standpoint, if I can buy a building for two hundred thousand dollars to put a number on it, but it would cost me three hundred and fifty to build that building today, don't commit insurance fraud. Don't burn the building yeah. down, right? <laughs> of course, never, right? But to me, as an investor, I I see that there's to me there's value in that that I'm just buying it way below what it would cost to build it today, and that might not translate into me making a return directly. But I just think that market has, in that case, likely undervalued that building right now. But that's just my perception as an investor. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong, right? Some, some, I get a lot of people who say, listen, I bought a, a um, C-class building in a tough part of town, uh, and it's a 75-year-old building. I don't want a new building if there's a claim, right? 
I just want, I want my cash out. Well, there's, there are ways to get that, right? You don't always have that. Again, that's buying the Pinto instead of buying the Escalade. And if your building's a Pinto, then putting Escalade insurance on it may not make sense. So um, again, that's the value of having an agent who you can, uh, an, uh, an insurance uh, contact that you can talk to and trust um, where they can say, yeah, I mean, here, here are the different coverage level options and and make the decisions that that's best for you. But I totally agree with your, with your statement, right? Not only are you going to get, get a, a building back, but it's going to be a much nicer building than what you lost. So the, that, and the insurance company is paying for that. So um, it's important for a customer to perceive value in that so that they, they understand, Hey, costs are going up. Everything's going up, right? It's just a, it's a tough time to be in the business from an insurance perspective, um, so, you know, and there's certain areas we can target to, to get rid of it. Right. And that, that's a great one to start with. Right. If you don't need a brand new building, you just want to cover your loan and get out, maybe cover some, your loan and some of your equity in the building. I can create a policy that's going to do that for you. So it's good to have somebody on your team that can, that can help you with that. And I think that really leads into the area of, of understanding, what we as investors should, if if we're conscious of both the like our coverage amount, but also what our costs are, then we need to know that going into. But but that leaves the question of what should we look for in the due diligence realm when we're you know what do we need to to target to understand about the physical condition of the building and how that influences our you know premium amounts. And then also, you know, our, our coverage and, and all of that, because we don't want to be underinsured, but eh, we don't want to be overinsured either. We don't want to pay for, for value that, you know, we don't need. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, to your audience, I think this is one of the most important questions that we'll go over today, because this is a really hot, every underwriter that I talk to asked me these same questions. And if the question is answered uh, the right way, it's a 50% savings. So, um, they're huge questions. And the biggest question we're getting right now is about electrical. And the reason for that is there's been a lot of fires that have come off of the, the mechanicals, the electrical mechanicals within your building. So if you have um, federal Pacific breakers, right there, a lot of your audience might, will will probably be familiar with that term. There's called stab lock breakers. They were put into buildings in the seventies. And uh, instead of the breakers breaking, uh, they they just burn up and caught on fire. So, for whatever reason, they're not. There's st- we still are seeing them all the time, uh, it, and it's gotten to the point now where the insurance company, like there's like three insurance companies that will insure a building with uh, stab lock breakers in it. So think about that, right? My normal market is 40 insurance companies. Now I have three. Uh, how's your pricing going to be with that, right? So um, it's a it's a huge space. Uh, to be aware of. Uh, the other one is honestly, geographic location has gotten huge. We, we've seen a lot of transactions in the last year in the Sun Belt, and those are those states, right, have hurricane exposure, or we call them convective wind exposures, right? So uh, you get you get either hurricanes or you get tornadoes. So think of uh, the East Coast. And kind of through the the lower middle part of the country, so Oklahoma, Nebraska, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, 
um, the Carolinas, Florida, all Texas, all tough states right now, really tough states right now, unless you have a new construct, new construction being 15 years or newer, um, your prices are just, it's too, I, I can't even explain to you how different the pricing is, um, based upon being in of those states or out of those states or having um, old aged electricals versus having upgraded electrical. So uh, those are the two areas in year built, right? If your building is, if your building is 50 years old and hasn't been, hasn't had a major rehab. So you have to disclose to the insurance company that your building's 50 years old. You're automatically out of all of like the, the cheap, uh, high-end insurance companies that probably a lot of your customers have heard of, the Travelers, the Liberty Mutuals, the Cincinnati's of the world, who are very big players in the space. And now you're you're going into it's a substandard market um, where you know pricing is is highly variable. And you know if you would come to me and say what what's this building going to cost me in Ohio? It's 15 years old. I could give you a really good act, uh, really good estimate, right? But if you say, "Hey, I'm in I'm in uh, Louisiana, and my building's 50 years old, and I have uh, I've got uh, stab lock breakers. I'm doing one right now. I'm doing 108 unit. It's a nightmare. It's up. It's up 30 percent this year. It was up 20 percent last year. So, uh, I mean, think about that as an investor who bought the building three years ago. Now my insurance costs are close to double. So, and now they're having to make some investments into the buildings to get the insurance costs down. They're, they're paying to get those breakers updated so that we can offset some of that, those policy debits. So I think about this from the, you know, I always want to make sure I'm, you know, addressing the, the passive investors out there who are passively investing in deals that, that they're not running, but they're going to look into the deal, look into the sponsor and make sure the sponsor has done all of their due diligence and and properly underwritten their deals. And I think two areas where lately sponsors are are screwing up, frankly, are property taxes and insurance. And and you know, this is this is what we're talking about here. So from the passive investor standpoint, how can folks make sure that sponsors have done adequate due diligence on the insurance side of things? I mean, what what are your thoughts about that? Well, so I would want to, as a passive investor, I would want to, um, I, I guess I would want to know that the insurance number is not just a budget item in there, that that's a firm quote, right? I can buy the number that you're projecting to me this year uh, in your in the PPM that I'm looking at. But uh, so that, that would be step one. Now, depends how early you are in the raise, right? I, I'm in the tougher states, you're not going to get a quote until 15 days prior to close, right? So that may be a tough ask. I don't want to um, put all put all your sponsors in a in a tough spot, but um, maybe seeing an email, right? Are we how close are we? What are our projected insurance costs from the insurance company versus what you're showing me on this performa we did three months ago? Uh, that would be something that, that I'd want to see and. Um, you know, going past, I'm just trying to be realistic here, going past that as an insurance guy, there's, there's 10 things that I'd look for if I jumped into a deal passively, but man, we're, we're talking about getting into the minutia. I, I would want to make sure that we're not lying on our applications. I've seen a ton 
a ton of insurance fraud in the last six months trying to offset these costs where they're going up 30%. Uh, oh, wait, well, actually, we, we rehabbed our building last year. Um, so it's not no longer was it built in 1975. It's now a 2021 building. I, I had a customer of mine who one of his investors was an agent. And he's like, I'm going to quote this for you. Uh, you know, let me let me just show you what what's out there. And the quote came back. It was 30 percent cheaper than mine. He's like, Drew, are you screwing me here? <laughs> so I said, send me the quote. Let's see it. And it was a it was the building was built in like 82. And this other agent said it was built in 2017. New construction, not not date of renovation. It was new construction in 2017. So. I, I mean, it just is. So here's the problem, right? That agent sends that to your, your deal sponsor. If your deal sponsor is not paying attention to it, they're signing it. And now if there's a claim, the insurance company denies the claim because you, you lied about your building, you, your building, you know, think about the, the codes and the building material quality in 2017 versus uh, the 80s, right? You've got your sprinkler. If you if your buildings are sprinkler, the sprinklers are much more efficient now uh, in 2017 than they were in the 80s. So the insurance company is going to say, no, 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 we priced this deal wrong because you lied on your application. It's called, excuse me, it's called a material um, non-disclosure. It's a non-disclosure of material information and they can deny claims. They will deny claims based on that. So uh, what I would ask, a really long answer for a short question, but what I would ask for personally is, let me see that you signed an application that is correct. Uh, I would want to see that that you're not lying about big things, right? Age of construction is a big thing. So, um, but it's really hard. I know that's not a, a great thing to tell you. It's really hard other than, hey, do, do you have a real quote or is this based on last year's numbers? Because maybe your agent was lying last year and, and or maybe you were you, the, the person you're buying from was lying on their insurance and the costs are going to double to actually get this policy you know, worth the paper that it was written on. Well, I think that's fair to at least ask the sponsor, do you have a quote or is this a real number or is it just a percentage on your Excel spreadsheet that you put on all of your deals as an assumption? Because that the, the assumptions need to be backed up by something. And this is one that's changed. Yeah. And, and two years ago, right? I, I work with a bunch of lenders. I get referred deals in by a bunch of lenders and the lender would would put a number in that box, right? It was It was 250 bucks a unit, right? For example. And then he would keep sending me these deals. And I, I would, you know, that was right when the market was starting to go crazy. And I, I said, Chris, you got to stop doing this, man. <laughs> like you're, you're setting your customers up for failure, um, baselining on numbers that aren't achievable. Or, or I could achieve them, but I got to put a $100,000 deductible on your policy to bring the cost down to that. Oof. Like you, your sponsors can't stomach that in year one, right? If they, now we can talk about that in year three, four, five on a large building where they've had time to accrue, uh, right? We can over accrue in our maintenance fund to offset um, property deductibles if we want to self-insure more. But man, in year one on a new deal to to have me say, no, you got to pay your first hundred grand of a claim. I think that's really a really tough ask of a sponsor. And then potentially they've got to go back to their investors and say, okay, we, we need a capital call to pay a claim. 
and that's a big time problem. I mean, capital call is like the, the absolute last thing that a, a good sponsor wants to do. <laughs> yeah. You get to do it once. <laughs> yeah, you're never right. going to have those investors again. That's right. Be putting up their own money uh, in that case. Yeah. So interesting. Well, I mean, there's, there's so much here, I think, you know, for, for investors who have no plans of becoming insurance experts, it's clear to me from this conversation, also from my experience that you, you need to have somebody on your side that can, on your team that can help you out before you close on a property. So you know what you're getting into. Totally. I would, I would strongly suggest that before you, uh, you know, have hard money go up, you better have an insurance agent that you're talking to on that deal so that every deal I work for, for my customers, I'm looking at um, as soon as that letter uh, of intent is signed on both sides, which is, you know, I've, then I've got 30 days on my side to get the policies that they have, review them, see if they're, see if the information's accurate, if the policies kind of in line with my customer's risk tolerance to say, yeah, this cost is going to be comparable, or here's the cost that I actually think it's going to be. And I want to give them that number before their money goes hard so that they can run away. If it's, if I say, oh boy, this is, <laughs> this is, we have a big problem here. Your insurance costs are double um, uh, what they are. And I, lo- I love giving good news saying, oh, this policy is, they, they were way over insuring this. Uh, they had a, you know, this is silly and you can actually take, 15% out of this policy, but more often than not, it's the other side of that where they're gearing up for a sale and they're leaning out their insurance policies as much as possible to make their financials as attractive as possible. So um, that that's, that that's what we're seeing. So it's, it's, I implore your audience to go find an agent or insurance consult, whatever we want to call ourselves that, that you trust that is in the space that had, you know, if they, they need to be able to provide you letters of reference in the space because it's a unique space. Um, and, you know, obviously getting a, getting a referral in from a buddy uh, that you know and trust in the space is, is valuable. Well, this is an area where I think, again, just to lean back on the passive investor angle, this is an area where an experienced sponsor has, has such a better I think chance to get it right because there are a lot of factors in here that so you have location is a huge factor right as a part discussion yep. age of the property when it was last renovated and a, a sponsor presumably or or in theory who has done you know quite a few deals in a particular MSA with a certain age of product in a certain area should have some experience to draw upon especially now in the multifamily space for the last couple of years, you mentioned money going hard. Sponsors are having to put earnest money that's hard on day one with a couple hundred thousand dollars. So that money's not coming back. So yep. if they have that experience and they know what they're doing, they maybe have a team member in place like you who can provide some guidance and or they have a comparable property in a similar area. So they can say, hey, here are my premiums up the street. I have a, an informed opinion of what my premiums might be on this new property. Totally agree. Couldn't agree more. Well, that's all I need everybody to love it right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital 
by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Drew, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a handful of things. I'm not going to be cheesy here. I'm going to give you an actual investment, right? So uh, I did a private equity deal uh, with a group down in in Texas, and it they it is a um, a company that goes into colleges and offers like telehealth, uh, psychology, psychiatry to their student bases. And uh, I'm not going to get political here at all, but obviously the the kind of the move of the whole country is to uh, be more in touch with our feelings. So I kind of, the deal attracted me a little bit and they showed me some stats that were actually terrifying of how many college age kids try and kill themselves. So, um, so I jumped into that deal and it's been an absolute uh, home run. So we just did, they just did their series C and it was a, it was out of 14 times multiple. So I'm hopeful that that in two years, so I'm hopeful that uh, on series D, I can get out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, but, you know, uh, yeah. it's always good when you can do well while doing good and, and, you know, making a positive difference in people's lives. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Nice. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Yeah, here, here's a good one. Before I got into um, insuring properties, I, uh, I I can speak from experience here. I, I got into a nursing home operating company in Texas. It was a bridge loan uh, company that had 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 just booming growth, um, and they were they had some some operating issues. They had some operating income issues, and they needed a bridge, a hundred million dollar bridge or whatever. I don't even remember the number. It was like five years ago now, but they needed 50 million bucks. And I jumped in as one of the obviously very, very, very minority investors in that. But, um, you know, the writing was on the wall that they had kind of already peaked and were on their path down. And, and, uh, I was dumb enough to, uh, help them fund, slow down their path down. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of the nature of the beast and, and how I like to invest at my age, uh, that, I'm going to have a bunch of zeros and and hopefully find a few home runs along the way. Nice. Well, you know, we all we all learn lessons <laughs> a lot of times uh, the hard way, so it's good to yeah. to acknowledge those and, and understand them. You got to flip those questions. You got to ask the the worst one first, and then <laughs> so you, can, you don't end with uh, with uh, me crying in my hands over here. No, man. We get my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and in Yeah, I think it's to me, it's who you surround yourself with, right? If if you surround yourself, and I'm not just talking about in business, right? I have tried to continually make relationships with people that I consider to be um, better than me, right? For lack of a better term, right? You're smarter than me. You want to work harder than me. I want to surround myself with a group of peers that where where I feel like the dumbest guy in the room. Um, 
I think that as you do that, their motivation factors, their um, desire to have knowledge, it, it rubs off on you. And uh, I, I heard that this from somebody else. I, I don't remember where I heard it, but I thought it was a brilliant thing to say. And I kind of laughed at it when I heard it, but I was like, all right, well, let's give it a shot. Right. And I've, uh, I've networked in a way to try and be around really smart, really motivated people. And it has, it has totally changed my life. So uh, I, I would say networking with the right people and in their business life and your personal life, people who are, who are just taking time out of your life and not giving anything back to it. Or um, I, I think you, if you can cut those people out of your life and, and create relationships that uh, push you to be a better person, better business person, uh, so on and so forth. Well, that's, uh, that's very true. And that's a great point. I think that's great advice. You're the average that of the five people you spend the most time with is, is, Super true. If you want to be somebody that's in great shape and eat broccoli for every meal, well, if everybody you hang out with is just eating potato chips, <laughs> you're going to have a hard time sticking to the broccoli. Let's yeah. let's be real about that. And that goes for everything in life, business, money, work, what have you, relationships. So I appreciate that. And Drew, thank you for joining us today and bringing us all these great lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with, if they want to learn, you know, talk insurance or, you know, just uh, make friends, where can they track you down? Yeah. So uh, my last name's brutal. I should change my handle, but um, <laughs> you you can find, you just search my name on uh, Facebook. The, I guess it's good and bad, right? If you search my name on Facebook, you're going to, there's only one Drew McConaughey. So uh, you'll find me there. Uh, and that's a, that's a good place to start. I get a ton of DMs on Facebook. Um, I'm active in a lot of the investing groups. So it's a good place to start. And then obviously I'm, I'm happy to share emails or phone numbers in your show notes if you'd like. And, uh, but I, I think it would be silly to type out my, here, here's how to spell my last name, but, um, so <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Reach out, reach out via Facebook first and, and yeah, we can, we can create a conversation that way. Awesome. Well, we'll get your uh, link to your uh, Facebook account in the show notes. That is a note for our our editor to make sure that gets done. And I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so much, you guys. That helps other people learn about the show. And I always tell you this every day. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe no matter what podcast app you use and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.